At the time of this recording, it's been about two months since the release of Avengers Endgame. The movie has smashed dozens of box office records and trails only Disney's step-sibling Star Wars The Force Awakens domestically, and it's actually about to be released with extra footage in a last-ditch effort to top recent House of Mouse acquisition Avatar for the worldwide record. In short, it's a hit. If you're one of the few people who has not yet contributed to Endgame's multi-billion dollar haul, then you're probably not the type of person to get upset about spoilers two months later. But just in case, here's your warning, we're about to talk about the plot of Endgame, so no complaining. Now I could talk for days about the intricacies of Endgame's plot, or the wider Marvel Cinematic Universe, or the criminal offense the Russo brothers committed by not showing us how Bruce Banner was able to merge his consciousness with the body of the Hulk to become Professor Hulk, but I'm told podcasts are supposed to have a focus. Since one of the biggest themes in Endgame was overcoming loss, that's what we're going to focus on. On this episode of UNT Pod, join me, Scott Brown, and the rest of the UNT family as we delve into the healing process to see how the Avengers who survived Thanos' snap in Infinity War are representative of the five stages of grief in Endgame. I love superhero movies as much as the next nerd, but even I can admit that, by and large, the genre tends to work off an established template. You have a hero and a villain, hero faces seemingly insurmountable challenge from villain, hero wins happily ever after. Of course, there can be other variables like a love interest or some sort of mystery, but in the end, the hero always wins. That wasn't the case with 2018's Avengers Infinity War. The largest collection of heroes ever assembled on film couldn't stop the big bad Thanos from wiping out half of all living things. And then the movie just ended. The heroes lost and many tears were shed. Now, early on in Endgame, the remaining heroes regroup and quickly hatch a plan to undo the snap, which also fails. So it appears that's that. They've suffered this unimaginable loss and it can't be undone. The movie then jumps five years into the future where we see each of our surviving heroes is dealing with this loss in different ways. This is where our guest comes in. Damian McClintock is a doctoral student in the counseling program at the University of North Texas. He specializes in couples and family counseling and play therapy, and is currently completing his dissertation on the effectiveness of child-parent relationship therapy for fathers. Damian, I think a lot of people are probably vaguely familiar with this concept of the five stages of grief, whether it be through personal experience or TV and movies, but can you tell us a little bit about the Kubler-Ross model and what the stages are? Yeah, sure. So the Kubler-Ross model... Um, has five stages. I think there's been a couple additions to it in recent years, but the the general kind of five-stage model is um, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, um, and acceptance. Um, Denial is just that state of shock. So it's really the inability to process or to cope with reality. So it's just your body's kind of natural way of saying, can't handle this right now. That's denial. Um, anger is when that reality hits a little bit and you don't know what to do with it. So you just get really angry. Angry uh, feelings and anger is usually kind of a cover for um, deeper emotions mm-hmm. that your body's still, that you're still not quite ready to process yet. So anger is kind of a good cover for those. It's kind of the first one that you hit. Um, bargaining, kind of trying to make a deal. You know, if I do this, then maybe this will happen. And kind of the what ifs and the if thens come out. Um, trying to find some way of gaining control over the situation again, right? Just trying to get into control again, because when these things happen, you feel like you're so out of control. Mm -hmm. Bargaining is a way of trying to get that control back. Um, Depression is just realizing that you don't have control. It's that next stage of um, feeling helpless and hopeless and powerless. 
right? Depression is really a sense of feeling less than and, and not being able to do something about the situation. Um, and then acceptance is that final stage of coming into terms with reality in a way, not necessarily that everything's okay now, you know, it's like, oh, okay, well, everything's great now and everything's fine. It's less of that and more of, okay, this is the new reality that I have to accept and how do I go from here? And those stages don't necessarily always happen in sequential order, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, so especially, so kind of in her, in that original model, um, yeah, she said you can go from stage one to four and back to three and end up at five. You can be in, in acceptance and then later on in life maybe something happens and, and you go back through those stages again. Um, the important thing to remember, though, is that it's natural. It's, it's a grieving process, right? And that's kind of one of the reasons that we don't really look at the stages anymore when you talk about counseling and psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't necessarily try to figure out what stage you're in because you can jump from one stage to the next, right? And you're always kind of back and forth sometimes. And so it's considered more of like a process where these are all things that we look at, but it's more of um, where are you in that process right now? And sometimes you'll be angry and sometimes you'll be sad and sometimes you'll be trying to figure a way out of it and bargaining. Um, but I think the important thing to remember is that it's still a very natural process. All this thing is, it, there's not something wrong with it. You're not broken. You're grieving. And it's a normal, normal thing. So in watching Endgame for a second, third, fourth, maybe fifth time, don't judge me, it struck me that each of the Avengers were processing their grief in very different ways. For instance, we'll start with the first stage, denial. To me, this was probably the trickiest one to identify in the film. There was one instance with Thor, who we'll really dive into later, but when he hears Thanos' name, he gets really upset and says, we don't say that name here. It's like he's trying to deny Thanos ever even existed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That is that is straight-up denial. <laughs> <laughs> he, just, he can't handle it. He can't handle, you know, like I was saying earlier, denial is the inability to process or cope with something, and so he can't handle even the word Thanos, right? And so he's like, hey, we don't say that here. He's, he's, you know, literally physically shut himself in and shut reality out. And that's absolutely, like you're saying, perfect example of denial right there. Another possible example of denial is Black Widow, who we find at Avengers headquarters holding a briefing with a few of the other heroes. She's trying to have people follow up on things that aren't really a concern. And at one point she says to Captain America, if I don't do this, who will? And Cap replies, maybe it doesn't need to be done. It's like she's trying to deny her own grief by just going back to the same routine she was in before she suffered that loss. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I think some people um, miss that in you know today when somebody's grieving and maybe it looks like they've just gone back to normal and everything's fine, but you can tell that maybe they haven't actually processed this yet. They're not really working through it. They're just covering it up. But it looks like they have because they've gone back to the normal day-to-day routine kind of thing, just like Widow. Mm-hmm. Um but I think that's, that's a form of distraction. Distraction is a form of denial. Like, I'm just going to keep myself really busy. I'm going to listen to music. I'm going to play video games, like Thor, maybe. <laughs> um, I'm going to um, do all these things so that I don't have to think. I don't have to sit here with my thoughts and my feelings about this thing that I'm grieving. Um, and so, yeah, it's a distraction and uh, is, is definitely another form of denial, and you see that in her. And that's it's kind of hard because it looks good. It looks normal on the outside. Mm-hmm. Um you don't really know what they're still kind of denying on the inside. That takes us to the second stage, which is anger. And this was one of the easier ones to identify because Hawkeye is just running around straight up murdering people. Despite the law of averages, he lost his wife and all three of his children in the snap, and he is pissed. To steal another Avengers tagline, you won't like him when he's angry. They mention him wiping out a Mexican cartel, and then we see him take out a Yakuza gang and crime boss in Japan. 
toward the end of that fight, the crime boss asks him why he's doing this, and Hawkeye replies, they got Thanos, you get me. He's so infuriated that so many innocent people were taken away by the snap, while all these criminals and evil people got to keep their lives, that he's taken it upon himself to deliver them the fate he thinks they deserve. Yeah, he's, he's definitely angry, and he's going <laughs> after anybody he can find, right? Still staying kind of within his moral code, in a sense, mm-hmm. but yeah, definitely angry. And, um, you know, anger can come out in that sense of revenge, in the form of revenge, or wanting to get revenge for, the, for this loss that you suffered, whatever it, whatever it is. But, you know, it's obviously sort of a, a movie version of it. We're not all going to, when we're grieving, we're not all going to go take on crime bosses. Yeah. Um, but anger can come out in different forms. And kind of like what I was saying earlier, anger really is um, a cover for different emotions, things that you're not ready to, to, to deal with yet, things you're not ready to process through. Um, but again, it's also normal. It's normal to be angry. It's okay to be angry. Um, it's just what do you do with that anger? You know, how are you able to process it and work through it? And that's where counseling and social support and friends can really come in to help you um, process that anger, to talk about it, to deal with it. Because when you, the more you kind of try to just push that anger down and the more you try to deny it, right, is where the stages kind of blend a little bit. The more you deny it, the more it's going to come out on the people that you care about, right? Mm-hmm. And they come, come, it can come out in like um, just exploding on people for the smallest reason and irritability and not really taking pleasure in things that you used to anymore. Um, and those are all sort of symptoms of anger that you might see. The next stage is bargaining. And I thought the best example of this was by all of the surviving heroes early on in the movie before the five-year time jump. Now, ultimately, this plan failed, but they all had this idea of if we can just catch Thanos off guard and take the gauntlet, we can undo this and everything will be fine. There's also bargaining in the main time heist plan because they're repeatedly warned that something could go wrong or they could create branch timelines, but they decide it's worth that risk if they can bring everybody back. And then, of course, there's the example of Black Widow and Hawkeye on Vormir when they're trying to get the Soul Stone. In order to get the stone, one of them will have to die there, and they fight over who it will be. But ultimately, it's Black Widow who sacrifices herself because she's willing to make that trade in order to save everybody else. Yeah, man, that's probably by far one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. It's it's just so much selflessness in that one scene right there. Literally, like you were saying, literally fighting um, to be the one who could could save everyone right to, to make that ultimate sacrifice um yeah, side note it's one of my favorites i love it and they just go back and forth you don't know who it's gonna be yeah. right and so then it finally happens and so you're sad at, but like praising them at the same time right um, yeah side note anyway um so bargaining yeah the the first plan failed and so they're trying to they're doing whatever they can to gain control right so bargaining is that way of can i get some kind of control can i do something about this right and in, the, in this case, in the movie, they could, right? They could, if I sacrifice myself, I can get the stone and we can use it to, um, to win, to get Thanos back, to, to save all the people that we had lost. And so the same thing works um, in reality. You know, people want a sense of power and control over their lives, and it's a very normal thing. And so that bargaining stage is just a way of trying to say, reaching out to anyone, what can I do to, to stop this? What can I do to get this back that I've lost? Um, and you know, prayer seems to be one of the things that comes up most often when you think of bargaining, a lot of people think of like praying to God, like, you know, God, if you'll just take this away, if you'll, you know, do this for me, I'll do this for you. I promise I'll be a better person, right? If you, if you take this away, um, I think that can be used as bargaining. Some people can use it as a a bargaining thing, but, um, I don't think it's also, it's very accurate sometimes. I think prayer really is 
um, a way of communicating and expressing oneself to God or higher power, nature, whatever you believe in. Um, and so I think sometimes it gets painted as like this stage that you go through in bargaining, like, oh, you're going through that prayer stage right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not entirely accurate, right? Prayer can be a, a really healthy way of expressing yourself, of communicating with God and, and listening and, and healing and things like that. So it can be used for kind of bargaining, and that's what most people think of. So I kind of want to kind of make that clear that prayer isn't a, a stage or a thing that you go through in order to get somewhere else. That brings us to the fourth stage of grief, which is depression, and one of the greatest reveals in the history of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Fat Thor. The God of Thunder was so devastated by the loss of the snap that he lets himself go from his traditional rock-hard, chiseled physique to a shape that looks more like melted ice cream, as Rocket so eloquently puts it. Now, all joking and body image portrayal issues aside, Thor has pretty clearly fallen into a depression here. He never wants to see anybody, he stays cooped up in his house all day, and just drinks beer, eats junk food, and threatens to beat up children on Fortnite. And that's what depression is. I think that's what a lot of people don't understand. You know, why don't you just do something about it? Why don't you do this or do that? And it's, there's no desire to do those things. Um, sometimes there's a loss of um, appetite. There's a loss of pleasure in things that used to give you pleasure and being with friends. Um, those are a lot of the symptoms of depression. And Naturally, the things that counter those are like social interaction, healthy diets, exercise, and eating properly, talking to people about them, right? Um, and those are all the things that he shut himself off from. So Thor shut himself off from the world so he couldn't get the help that he needed from the world, that social interaction and the talking to people, right? And that's where depression kind of gets worse is when you, when you isolate yourself and you kind of wallow in those things. But that's why it's so hard, right? Those, they're, they're opposites, and this outside world really helps the isolation of depression but it's so hard to get into that outside world because the depression is telling you not to the depression is telling you that you're alone and that you can't do anything right but if you were to go out into that world and be with your friends and your family and your support system and a counselor right you're going to get the opposite message of like no you are worth while and you do have the strength to to do these things that you need to do to pull yourself out so yeah and it's funny that you mentioned worthwhile because it's actually something again Maybe this is the less relatable version, but he goes back in time and uh, he talks to his mom and his mom gives him a pep talk. But then he gets his hammer, which he can only lift if he's worthy. Yeah. And he gets all excited. He's like, I am still worthy. Yeah, that's a good point. Man, I didn't even think about that. It's a great point. So he actually said those words, right? I am worthy. And yeah. he, you're right. He totally forgot about the fact that he was worthy and he felt worthless in the moment because he failed. And so it took him going back out into the world, into society. His friends had to come and get him out of his depression. Mm-hmm. And then it was his mom, right? His 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 family that really brought him back out of it and made him see that he is worth it, that he is worthy, and he always was. What I think was so interesting about this is that it's probably the most relatable thing a superhero has ever done in a movie. Not a lot of people know what it's like to turn into a big green rage monster or fly around in a billion-dollar flight suit, but most people can understand feeling so sad or depressed that you just want to sit on your couch and eat your feelings all day. It was really interesting to see that portrayed not just on film, but by this Norse god superhero because it's something that's still kind of stigmatized in our society. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think that is, and it's kind of been hailed for that, really, as like a very relatable superhero in the moment of, um, yeah, we've maybe all experienced that at some point in life, that just desire to do nothing. Like you can't, you you finally, this powerlessness has sunk in, um, and you feel hopeless and sometimes worthless and powerless and all these really, less than feelings, all these negative feelings. And so 
when you're telling yourself these things and feeling these things about yourself, what else is there to do but sit there and do nothing? The, the I guess, relatability of Thor, um, or even a lot of the, the characters in here where you see them in the different stages and handling in different ways, I think that's incredible for, for people to see nowadays because I think there is a stigma that we're really working to overturn right now around mental health and the grieving process. And you know what we talked about today, that grieving is normal. It's okay. It's normal to grieve when you've lost something. Even though our society tells us, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstrap and just be fine, you know, get through it kind of thing. No, grieving is normal. And cultures grieve differently and individuals grieve differently. And there's different ways of handling those things. And to, so to have someone in a movie that's relatable, that you see vulnerability and weakness, that they're actually struggling and working through things in the same way that we struggle and work through things is, I think, the, the true identity of a role model, right? If we're a role model is something you're wanting to model yourself after. And we can't necessarily model ourselves after all-powerful superheroes, right? But we can model ourselves after these superheroes who actually have weaknesses and are also human in some way. And so we can model ourselves after their humanity. And that leaves the fifth and final stage of acceptance, which we see on display by a few characters before the whole time heist plan starts to come together. Captain America is running a survivor's support group to try to help people move on. And he even says at the end of the session, the world is in our hands. We got to do something with it, otherwise Thanos should have killed all of us. It's a somewhat blunt way of saying, yes, this terrible thing happened, but it wasn't the end of everything, and there's still a lot to live for. And then you've got Bruce Banner, who, as I mentioned before, has somehow figured out how to merge his brains with the Hulk's brawn, which he explains with, I spent 18 months in a gamma lab, which is pretty lazy storytelling considering Banner's inability to turn into the Hulk was a fairly major plot point in Infinity War, but whatever, that's an issue for another episode. The point is, even though we don't get to see that process, fingers crossed for a deleted scene on the home release, Banner talks about the realization he came to after losing to Thanos and how he grew from it. Literally, physically grew into Professor Hulk. And then you've got Tony Stark. While everybody else is mostly focused on what they lost after Thanos' snap, Tony's family has actually grown. He married Pepper Potts, and they had a child during the five-year time jump. And when Captain Black Widow and Ant-Man come to Stark in their bargaining stage, trying to convince him to get on board with the time heist plan, he initially refuses it because he has accepted what has happened and moved on from it. Now, we don't get to see him in the acceptance stage for very long before he figures out time travel and gets back to bargaining. But for years leading up to that, he made peace with the events of Infinity War and moved on with his family. Yeah, so there's different... Thing. You see some people who are able to accept it and some aren't in the movie, right? And, then, and like we talked about earlier, acceptance isn't just, oh, you know, everything's fine now. You know, it's great. Because I would say even Iron Man and Captain America, they're, they're both maybe in that acceptance phase, but neither of them would say everything's fine, right? Or, yeah, I've learned to deal with it. It's good to go. Um, they're both dealing with it in their own ways. They've accepted it and moved towards what can I do now, right? Okay, this, this happened and this is terrible and I still have a lot of feelings about it, but... I still have the power to do something, right? You've gone through those stages in a, in a sense that you're not sunk in that depression. You're, uh, you do feel a sense of power now and, and control over what you're doing. You haven't denied it, right? Or maybe you did and now you kind of accepted it. So you're in that stage where, okay, I have the power. I have ability. This is the new reality. What do I do with it? What do I do with that reality? And Captain America, being Captain America, right, decided to help people as much as he could. So he's got that support system that he created for other people. And then Iron Man who never really was a family man, right, in this new reality. He's like, all right, this is what's important now. This is what I have to do. And he took the events that weren't great events, but he turned them in this acceptance stage into positive things for him. 
Now, as great as all these portrayals of real human emotion were, this is still a superhero movie. So, of course, the Avengers were able to snap back everybody that Thanos had dusted and undo their loss, save for a couple of unfortunate casualties. But in real life, there are no magical, mystical stones that allow you to bring back loved ones when you lose them. In real life, you have to find a way to live with that loss. Maybe that hole is never going to be filled. You know, maybe it's never going to get fixed in particular. Um, but I think a social interaction, a social support system, family and friends, um, talking about it, not trying to do it all on your own. I think that's another um, stigma that we have, that you have to do things by yourself and don't bother other people with your problems. But man, that's, a, that's what friends and family are for is to help you through things. Um, seeing a counselor is really important. It's, it's someone that you can add to your team to help you just work through these things. Um, you know, there's medication for you know depression, anxiety, and things like that, but you know, just taking meds isn't always gonna fix things. You know, it's not always gonna be the best solution of like, well, I'm, I'm really struggling with this, so I'm just gonna you know, take this medication, I'll be okay. You know, even in research, medication and counseling is, is really the best. So even if you're just taking meds, counseling is still what's going to make a bigger impact, a bigger difference for you. Because we're social beings. We're here to interact with each other, right? And that's how we're going to really succeed is by being with each other, leaning on each other for support, and supporting other people. You know, when you're depressed, when you're struggling with depression, one of the things that's been found to really help you out of that is when you help someone else, right? Because it gets those kind of pleasure feelings in you coming back, like, man, I'm doing good for someone, which is the opposite of what depression's telling you, which is you're worthless or you can't do anything right. Right. And so that's where just being out in society, helping people, allowing them to help you is like a natural um, counter to that. And then, of course, we all had to go through the grieving process again after losing Iron Man at the end of the movie, which I think I'm still in denial about. That's going to do it for us today. Thank you so much for joining us and for helping us understand some of these concepts, Damien. No problem. My pleasure. And thank you for listening to UNT Pod. Now that we understand the healing process a little better, we can now hopefully get to acceptance after the losses of Iron Man and Black Widow. That or we'll just revert to bargaining for other versions of Tony and Natasha from alternate dimensions in the multiverse. Let us know what topics you want to learn more about from the Marvel Cinematic Universe and beyond by connecting with us on Twitter at UNT Social and on Instagram at UNT. Thank you.